Have you seen those ads on Instagram for ceramic cookware? Have you wondered if they're safe or just a new age version of Teflon? Also, what's the big deal about Teflon? Is it still even a concern? And what about stainless and cast iron? What's really best to use? In today's episode, we explain all things cookware. Where do the health concerns stem from? How legitimate are they? And what exactly is safest to be using in your kitchen? We also share our favorite go-tos, including brands. Get excited for a lot of helpful advice on a topic that has many confused. Let's dive in. I think that today's episode is going to blow our listeners' minds because they are going to get so much information about these wonderful, just kidding, terrible compounds Mm -hmm. that are not good for them, but we are going to give them wonderful information. And we're going to simplify things. And give them brand names about what to go and buy. Yes. And what we use and what we think we should be using. And what our favorites are. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So this has been a, this is a confusing area for consumers, but it's also been one for me for a long time. And for years I've been thinking, I need to look into this. Like I need to, I need to know more about this. It's just really, there's so much information out there. I didn't know what was legit and what wasn't. And if I was using the right thing or the wrong thing. Yes, especially when you, like we do, we operate in that space. Wow, I'm, I can talk today. In the space of healthy cooking, mm-hmm. I think that that's why, that's why this is something that like is always, you know, on, has always been, like, been on our radar, mm-hmm. is that when you're talking about healthy cooking, you're often trying to use cookware where you don't have to use as much fat to grease the pans. Yes. And so it's about... Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like stainless for like my sauteing. Right, right. Because you got to, or chicken or something, you have to use so much fat or it sticks. Yeah. But I knew stainless was one of the safe ones. But anyway, well, right. we'll we're going to, we're going to get into it. But yeah. I, but I think that for anybody who cooks regularly, they definitely probably have some nonstick pans mm-hmm. in their kitchen. And so in today's episode, Carolyn is going to walk us through why you might need to throw that nonstick pan out or why it might be totally fine that you could be keeping it in your pantry or wherever you store your dishware. Exactly. Cookware. So yeah, I learned a lot in researching this episode. Um, So we're going to tell you, I'm going to tell you like the kind of two health concerns that are floating out there about cookware. And then we are going to tell you the best cookware to buy best and safest and give you some specific brands yes so all right so where do you want to start well let's talk about where these health concerns kind of come from okay so one has to do with nonstick coatings and they um and it's due to compounds in them that that you know like the cdc says on their website causes hormone disruptions thyroid issues and is associated with some cancers so you got that there but then there's a whole um and i feel like this is kind of a newer topic or something that's been brought up um like metals in cookware or not necessarily in cookware but metals in general Mm -hmm. like um aluminum Mm -hmm. yeah copper being associated with brain health and possibly alzheimer's Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there's cookware made out of those materials. So well, I'm going to kind of briefly explain the issue with both and then also tell you if it's really a legit 
concern yes. when it comes to your cookware yes. as well. So, yeah. Can I add something really mm-hmm. quickly? So when I feel like you said something right before we started recording that I think is really important mm-hmm. for listeners to keep in mind as we're talking about this. So you talked about how nonstick cookware is we think of it right in like our saute pans and stuff. But you mentioned to me that it's also often lined in like muffin tins or loaf pans or so even like some of your cookie sheets, they've got a coating on. Yes. So point being is even if you don't cook, I know you have a baking sheet. Correct. And so while we're going to talk mostly, it's going to sound like we're going to talk a lot about like skillets and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. When you said that, before we started recording, I was like, oh my gosh, it's in all these other... Like, I, I know, I never thought just, about I it. I hadn't thought about it. I just always think about like my egg pan. Yes. Right? All right. My skillet. That's yes. what I think of. Yeah. Okay. So okay. what is it with these so nonstick coatings? These nonstick coatings, they're made with chemicals called... I'm not going to give you the real names. It's But the abbreviation is PFAS. You know, I tried to um, practice pronouncing this you before did. we recorded. It did not go well. Okay, so these this group of chemicals compounds known as can I call them PFAS? I don't know. Sure, <laughs> for the purpose of this episode, we might that not be better doing than this. PFAS. Yeah, we'll call them PFAS. Okay, PFAS. These PFAS can repel oil and water, so they're what give. So a lot of times, manufacturers will put them on top of a pan, whatever it's made of, to give the pans like a slick feel or look. Right. Um, it's added, you'll see it added to a lot of skillets and saute pans specifically so the food doesn't stick. So you don't have those issues like you do with stainless. Mm-hmm. Um, the perks are that you usually need less oil, which I think is why they got to be so popular, you know, yes. 90s to the, yeah, 2000s. Less, you, less butter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And cleanup is pretty easy. Oh, Because there's yeah. less sticking. Yeah. So let me give you just a little background on PFAS in general. <laughs> yeah, because they're not just in cookware. No. No, and I don't know, yeah, well, let me get to So PFAS, they are used, y'all, almost everywhere. Ev- so, everywhere. Paper and cardboard packaging products, um, this includes food packaging like pizza boxes, candy wrappers. I read somewhere that it's used like to, um, when you need like grease resistance in packaging. You can tell packaging's like coated. Oh, yeah, yeah, The yeah, grease yeah. Resist- yeah. resistance makes sense, but... It's also in carpets, leather products, um, any kind of textile that's designed to repel water, repel grease, repel dirt. So, like, stain-resistant carpets mm-hmm. are a big one, or stain-resistant, like, I think my sectional is stain I was going to say, it can be in what, either in the textiles used to make them stain-resistant or, or water-repellent, yeah. or whatever you get them treated in, it can be in that. Yeah. Um, and same for well here you're going to get into it next sorry so firefighting foams um yeah waterproof and breathable clothing but wait going back to the firefighting thing it also that's also why they can be in things like mattresses Mm. or baby pajamas or you know all the things that are supposed Mm. to be fire have a little bit of like fire retardant Mm -hmm. in them yeah anyway yeah thank you um some personal care products like Dental floss, cosmetics, sunscreens, then things like electrical wire casing. Any like again, stuff to make stuff fire yes. um, repellent. Yes. Um basically if I don't recommend looking into these because they're everywhere. Yeah. 
used in so many things. We are surrounded by them daily. Okay, so PFAS, though, the big issue with PFAS, though, is that they are referred to as a POPs, which is a persistent organic pollutant. PFAS and POPs. PFAS and POPs, which means these types of pollutants, they degrade very slowly. Yeah. So let's say um, you toss a um, pizza box. Pizza box into a landfill like back in 1960. Do they have pizza delivery? I don't know if they have pizza. But anyway, you you did it like back in 1960. Well, those chemicals in that pizza box take years. Like we're talking hundred or more years to, to break down. To break down yeah. But as they slowly break down, or as the box breaks down, they seep into our soil. Right. So and the box breaks in, down, but the compounds yeah. so don't. So then those compounds, those chemicals are in our soil. Mm-hmm. And then that's how it gets into our water. And yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, not good. Now, here's what we know about PFAS. And this is all from the EPA and CDC. And, you know, they aren't, unless they know for sure, they don't really say, yes, Correct. these are the issues. So, Correct. Um, so they said that current scientific studies have shown that exposure to certain levels of PFAS are, may lead to reproductive issues such as decreased fertility or high blood pressure in pregnant women, developmental delays in children, low birth weight, accelerated puberty, bone variations, or behavioral changes, increased risk of some cancers, reduced ability of the body's immune system to fight infections, Interference with the body's natural hormones, increased cholesterol, and or risk of obesity. And then they pointed out that children are at much higher risk for these, or they, children drink more water, eat more food, and breathe more air per pound of body weight than adults. Right. So their exposure, it's like they're getting a higher exposure compared to adults. Yes. Totally makes sense. Also terrifying. But that is why... I feel like a lot of recommendations, like uh, it's been a while, but there was um, many years ago I did a bunch of reading about like BPA, mm-hmm. right? That's in, um, you know, a lot of plastic plastics. food storage mm-hmm. containers or plastics in general. Um, and, the you know, the big thing is that they say in young children and kids as they develop, like you really want to be as conscious as you can to try and minimize their exposure because – they have so much developmentally going on, yeah. right, that this can influence. Like, think about its impact on hormones and reproduction and all of that. But then also, like, they're just smaller humans. Like, we're bigger. We, you know, we yeah. can tolerate a higher load of something. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so PFAS in cookware specifically, they these coatings, these nonstick coatings that contain these PFA chemicals, started being used in the 1940s and probably teflon is the one that most people are familiar with teflon i feel like was used on everything oh, yeah. for a while yeah um so teflon though contains two pifa chemicals that have now been identified as toxins so starting in 2013 cookware cannot contain those two toxic chemicals those two toxic pifas thankfully Yes. So now you may see packaging that says PFOA free or PFOS free. This is identifying that the cookware should not, does not contain those chemicals. We're going to. Okay. So, but those are the two PFOA and PFOS PFOS free. That's what they're referring to. Now, the concern is like if you have older cookware, 
like if you've got those pots or pans like your mom gave you or your grandmother died and you know you just inherited them or something um if you have cookware nonstick cookware that was made before 2013 um there's concerns that if you're using it and you're using it over high heat that those toxic compounds can be released into the air and then Probably the bigger concern to me was if you've got older nonstick cookware that has scratches, I would just toss it immediately. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just go ahead and toss it. Right. Don't use that anymore. But you asked a great question when we when I was working on this and you said, you know, what did you say? How did you say it? You said. So in the grand scheme of things, right, because we've talked about all these places that the, these PFAS are in and in the grand scheme of things, like cookware, how, like where on the scale of exposure to these, you know, compounds yeah. is cookware? Like, you know, because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, okay, clearly I want to eliminate it out of my cookware, but is my carpet like the really big problem or my sofa the really big problem? And I should, you know, also make sure that I'm really putting some energy, you know, there. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, so, and I will say, I think I forgot to mention this, but they've, the CDC and EPA have done testing and there's, they can detect PFA levels in pretty much the blood of every human, just so you know. Yeah. In the grand scheme of thing, things, changing your cookware is my impression is that it's barely going to make a dent in your PIFA exposure load and exposure. They yeah. are, I mean, it's really kind of scary. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. I would be more worried about a baby crawling on a treated carpet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, It's kind of scary. But, you know, that being said, I think I would definitely toss like an older nonstick skillet with scratches in it out like that's a no-brainer what's what's the point exactly it's a no-brainer it it, um it's not as expensive to replace right but this you know changing your cookware is not going to solve all those health issues necessarily it may help but i think our exposure other places is much much greater including like in water in our food supply yeah so i just did a quick search Mm because i was curious about how many if like those two pifas were eliminated like there, there have to be others, right? And there are other PFAS that and, have been um, cut out. Uh, no, like there are other PFAS out there. So like these two, oh yeah, were the two using cookware. Yeah, these two using cookware were banned. But when it comes to like, there are other type of there are other PFAS out there. So that was PFOA and PFOS. Yeah, but there's all there's. And we others. just I guess haven't discovered that maybe they're toxic. Well, or I don't know, or maybe it's just like they, you know, made things that were, they made Tupperware, or not, I don't want to say Tupperware because that's a brand name, but like they made food storage containers that were like BPA free, mm-hmm. but then there were other types of BPA that they weren't necessarily, yes. um, not BPA, but other other compounds that are very much like BPA that operate the same way that it's not that they weren't banned, but, like, they could still be in those Used. plastics that say BPA-free. There's kind of some loopholes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and anyway, so there are others. And actually, to back up what you were saying, where they, like, the CDC has found 
PFAS in the blood of like everybody that they've tested, they actually found four specifically. I don't know if they were used four in four different types in like everybody that they tested. Yeah. I don't know that they're all. And in cookware, I mean, but anyway. it's likely like a baby in utero ha- will have some um, PFAS yeah. detected in its blood. So okay. Now so, that I've scared the ever living daylights out of everybody, and so have you. Keep going. Yeah, that's nonstick coatings. So that's where the controversy stems when it comes to like nonstick pans. So. Then your, some of your metal pans. So <clears throat> there's been some concerns raised over potential, the potential effects of the use of heavy metals in cookware, specifically copper, iron, and aluminum. And the concerns are um, related to potential increased risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, current research suggests there is a relationship between naturally occurring metals and the development or progression of Alzheimer's disease. Now, a relationship, this does not mean a causal effect right. necessarily. Right. So before you go tossing your copper or aluminum pans, hear this out because I think this is a little less to be concerned about than the PFAS, mm-hmm. the nonstick coatings. So we have metals like copper, aluminum, aluminum, iron, lead, zinc, um, naturally found in soil and the foods we eat as well as our body. And some play really key roles, like copper, iron, and zinc. You need those. Those are heavy metals. You need those in your body to a certain level. Other heavy metals we don't need, like aluminum and lead. Mercury is another one of those. So in small amounts when those ones that get in um, in our body that we don't need, or like you get more copper than you need, they're filtered out by the kidneys, when you get really large amounts, the kidneys can over only filter out so much. And so it appears that these metals can be deposited in the brain. <clears throat> Interesting. So copper and um, iron in the brain. So high levels of both copper and iron were first noticed in the brains of Alzheimer's patients in nineteen in the 1950s. <clears throat> that was a while ago in the world of nutrition research. Yes. Since then, research has found that copper and iron are associated with kind of the hallmark characteristics of Alzheimer's, which are amyloid plaques and tall, they're called tall proteins, but plaques and tangles are right. kind of the, that build up in the your mess brain. that build up and stop communication. Yeah. Um, animal studies suggest that they can actually cause the development of these plaques and tangles. Um, the other thing we know is copper and iron in higher amounts than you need create free radicals, which are going to Um, cause damage to cells and are thought to be a contributor to Alzheimer's. Now, aluminum in the brain, this this upsets me a little bit. In the 1960s, rabbits were injected with a high dose of aluminum. Yes, it is disturbing. I know. And it caused them to develop these amyloid plaques. Um, This started to lead to speculation that aluminum in cookware and cans, um, like canned drinks, processed foods, Water, antacids, and antiperspirants. Yeah, your deodorant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's where kind of like the, you know, aluminum-free came from. Could be causing dementia. Um, You will find some aluminum in a normal healthy brain, but researchers aren't really sure how it gets there because it's not really supposed to be able to pass. The blood-brain barrier. Yeah, the blood-brain barrier. Hmm. Um, The current level in healthy brains isn't toxic, but what they said is that if you have an aging brain, your body may be less able to regulate or handle oh. the aluminum in the brain. So 
Okay, but there is no convincing evidence between the amount of aluminum in the body in Alzheimer's developments. Um, <clears throat> if anything, some have suggested that consuming, that it may be from consuming um, high amount or water with high levels of aluminum in it. Oh, Maybe yeah. associated, but not cochlear. So, bottom line is no strong evidence... There's no strong evidence today that consuming copper, iron, or aluminum through food, food preparation, or water increases risk of developing Alzheimer's. Research does suggest that higher brain levels of these metals um, may actually be may actually be caused by faulty regulation of them in the body. In our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like something's happening that we're not regulating it quite right. And but so we're getting higher levels, but not from our intake necessarily. Yeah. So it's not it's not like the intake part is not necessarily the problem. It's like something else going on in the yeah. body. Also, those higher levels that they notice like in the brain and Alzheimer's patients, we don't know. That doesn't mean it's a cause of Alzheimer's. That yeah. could be a side effect of Alzheimer's. Like you have Alzheimer's and so now you can't regulate your aluminum and copper levels. And so you develop Right. Well, and that's the challenge in general, right, about yeah. studies that, like, just look at association um, yeah. until they can better understand causation. Yeah. It's just – it's it's a – it's a um, I was going to say it's a relationship, but, but it's an association. It's a yeah. – you know, it's a fine line. Yeah. So, basically, researchers do not think normal everyday exposure to these metals poses a threat. Again, I think your greater risk is, like – if your water supply has high levels of aluminum or something. Yeah. Um, but there are, as we learned, um, there are, like, particularly with aluminum, there's a safer type to buy. Correct. Of so. cookware. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, we still have people after all that science. But I wanted to explain because, you know, what, what the concerns are. I, but whether... I think that's important because it's so easy to hear, like, oh, this is bad and that is bad. Mm -hmm. And then, and what I think, what I, think that you did a really great job of is, is like okay here's where it started and here's what's legitimate yeah so yeah okay so now we're going to tell them what types of cookware are safest and best and our favorites that's right i'm excited pros and cons as well mm -hmm. so let's start with the one that you and i both love the most because yes. each of our second favorites do not line up Right. But number one did. I didn't know this was your favorite, too. Oh, yeah. So my all-time favorite thing to cook in is cast iron. Same. Yeah. Love it. So, and this could be enameled cast iron. So, like, um, I'm not going to say this name right. Like La Crusette. Did I say it right? Lake Crusade. Lake Crusade. Yeah. I knew it didn't say it right. Um, where it's iron, it's made of iron, and then it has an enamel coating. But... Cast iron is just like it sounds. It's made from iron. Um, small amounts of that iron will leach into what you're cooking from yeah. the cookware. Especially which is if a, you're cooking with an acid. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is a good thing because most of us, especially women, probably it's it's a struggle to get all the iron that we need. And this can mm -hmm. be particularly good if for someone who's anemic. Mm -hmm. So you don't really have to unless you have some kind of iron issue like you're storing too much. Right. Um, you don't have to worry about, this is this is good. This is a good amount of iron. You don't have to worry about getting too much iron from cast iron cookware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when your cast iron's seasoned, it has nonstick qualities. That's why I love it. Um, 
And what else did I leave off? Well, and then the enameled cast iron has a little bit more. I mean, you don't really season it so much, but mm-hmm. it has a little bit, um, it, you know, that enamel coating gives it that uh, nonstick-esque yeah. feel. It's not a perfect nonstick, but it's a little bit more. Yeah. So pros, durability. It oh, my lasts, gosh. Those things last forever. Last for decades. You can pass them on to your grandchildren quite literally. The only kind of pan you would ever see me buying, like – or the only pan that I'm looking for, like if you have an older relative die or you go to a yard sale or something, I see cast iron, I'm buying it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially if you can get it in the difference, like if you can find it in a unique size, Mm -hmm. then I get really excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to clean. You do have to do it right so it stays seasoned, but it's it's easy to clean. Um, What I love, what I use it most for is um, like – chicken and meats Mm -hmm. i can sear it on the stovetop and then i can just take my whole cast iron skillet and stick it in the oven to finish cooking it perfect that's exactly what i do it's great yeah um the downfall though is it really does need to be seasoned yeah you can buy them pre-seasoned but But you still have to maintain yeah you have to maintain it It, i'm not good at that i'm not either it but it's not um a time-consuming thing it's to do it it's kind of like it's fairly simple it's more i keep needing to like look up the directions on the internet because I think I'm doing it right, but I don't know if I am. I'm always the same, and then I always find some, you know, oh, here's a new way to do it. I feel like I've tried them all. Yeah. The other thing, they're heavy. They're very heavy. They're very heavy. Um, But there are some great brands out there, Le Creuset and Lodge. Mm -hmm. Lodge is just the best. If you want straight cast iron. Straight cast iron. Lodge is the best. Fantastic. And then Staub has – I hope I said that right. They – have both straight up cast iron like Lodge and they have uh, enamel coated cast iron like Le Creuset. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm going to invest in a new piece of cookware. Yeah. I, it's going to totally be cast agree. iron or enamel cast iron. Same. And they're also on the pricier side. Yeah. Compared to some of the other, like the other um, metals that yeah. are used. But to it make will them. last you forever. Forever. Yeah. And it's very, it's so durable. It's really hard to mess it up. Yeah. And if you do, you can usually fix it. Yeah, that's what I like. Um, I'm sure there are other brands, but these were, you know, three very common ones, three that we are familiar with um, and are very high quality. Yeah. So that's at the very top of our list. Yes. So what was your number two? Because it wasn't mine. Yeah. <laughs> so my number two is stainless steel. Um, and I like stainless steel um, – so it is like t- it's typically it's the it's the pots and pans that you see that are shiny, mm-hmm. right? And Carolyn's beef with them, which I one thousand percent understand, is that there is absolutely no nonstick quality built into these pans at all. Um, I, it's usually a disaster when I try to like saute or cook anything in this stainless well, skillet. I, I just hate them because they get so stu- I stuck. I mean, I use them for like cooking soups or cooking like rice or something, you yeah. know, or grain or pasta, but well, no. I use them for cooking pastas and grains. Um, I also have one in particular that I use if I am like searing the ever living heck out of a meat, but not putting it, transferring it into the oven. Then I would use my, and I could use this pan. I just I don't know. I have but I I have my like weird ways. You have very much bonded with that one stainless steel yes, pan. Yes, I have. You're right. <laughs> and you like know it front to back. I do. I've never bonded with my stainless steel. Maybe that's my yes, issue. Yes, my stainless steel and I kind of treat bonded. it second rate. 
Um, <laughs> but so here's the thing is that the cool part about stainless steel is that it distributes heat very evenly across its surface. So it does have a little bit of like if you don't know your oven very or sorry, your stovetop very well, um, it it has a little bit of a built-in give there. So maybe that's why I love it because it's moved with me through literally mm-hmm. every house since grad school. And so, like, gas, electric, you know, uneven stovetops, all that stuff, you know, weird rentals. Anyway, um, and I don't put mine in the dishwasher, but they can go in the dishwasher. Oh, I put mine in the dishwasher. I mean, I'm just one of those people where I really want to load as many dishes as I can in there. And the pan, a pan in there just takes up too much room. It makes me angry. I'm getting it all in there. Um, But. The, the drawback, the major con, is that it can get real sticky and it can, as a result, make cleanup yeah. an absolute nightmare. And I was going to say, these can last you forever, too. My issue, though, why they have not lasted for me forever is because stuff is stuck. Because, <laughs> yeah, the stuff is stuck, so you're like, you know what, forget this. We're yeah. just going to start over. Yeah. So what brands do you recommend? Um, so I really love Allclad. I... Um, also have, I have a lot of Cuisinart, uh, versions in my house. Uh, I used Allclad when I worked in magazine test kitchens, um, and they are beautiful. They're just expensive. There's another brand I'm not super familiar with, but it keeps popping up from, um, it seems like more in like, like really culinary focused, like chef type Mm -hmm. circles, maybe Heston Mm -hmm. is the name of it. Um, and then... I love this vintage brand that now has a line. I think it's only through Food 52, but I'm not sure. No, it can't just be through Food 52. Anyway, Dansk Coben style. Um, and they are – they're steel, but they're enamel coated. Oh. Yeah, but they – to me, they're they, – I mean, I don't know of any others. I mean, I'm going to assume that they're like the OG steel pot that's enamel coated. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, now you tell us what your second favorite is. And I really do think that that listeners, I hate to say this because I like to win, but I really do think that listeners are going to side with you on this one. Okay, well, I'm realizing most of my cooking evidently is sauteing or cooking in a skillet. And I think that's why (laughs) this number two, this is my number two, but that's ceramic. And in terms of cookware, this is probably the newer one on the block. So if you are wondering what ceramic is, um, thing, if you've seen, um, advertisements for like caraway cookware, if they, they pop up a lot on Instagram yeah. or our place yeah, cookware, um, most are not a hundred percent ceramic, um, but they are made with a metal and then they're covered um, with a nonstick material that's often silicone that has a ceramic base. So it almost, they're most likely safe. We just don't have as much knowledge about them, but everything points to them being safe. And they're essentially like a new version of a nonstick pan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But without that nonstick coating. And I, I mean, I would bet a lot of money that every listener here has seen somewhere in like Google ads or social media advertisements or something, they have seen a ceramic pan yeah. advertisement. So Caraway, Our Place, Green Pan um, is another ceramic coated one. Um, 
all of those kind of the it's kind of the newer version of nonstick, right? Like healthier nonstick, yeah, the healthier version. Yeah. Um, and but like you said, they're all usually made with some type of of metal. Like our place has uh, an aluminum body and a steel handle, and then it's all ceramic coated. And then Green Pan makes it looked like from from poking around on their site that they make either you can buy either aluminum or stainless steel versions and they're ceramic coated yeah um and caraway i did not look into what the metal was for caraway. it looks very similar to our place i yeah. i'm sitting right here with my our our pan yeah. i love it well it's really the cool part I think about them too is that they've like taken the time because they're coating them. They've taken the time to make them look pretty. Like yeah. all the pans that follow this style, like I get a lot of the caraway ads I realized when I was looking into this. Um, they all are very attractive looking. Yeah. I think I just got a whiff of onions or garlic. Yeah, I did. I can smell you it. You can't put it in the dishwasher. That's my only drawback. But look, you I see, see this little thing right here? Bit. I got, it gave me a, a wooden spoon and it has a hole in it so I can hang the spoon right there and put the lid on. Oh, wow. Fancy. Nice. Yeah. That is really nice. So this is probably my backup um, to cast iron. Yeah. So Carolyn has really um, used her R Place one. But then we also found that um, Consumer Reports had picked a favorite and theirs was the green pan reserve which i guess is one of their lines and that's what they rated top like their their favorite for a non-stick frying pan yeah um so so cast iron stainless or ceramic yeah now there is aluminum and aluminum is safe to use you really want to buy anodized aluminum it is treated with an acid, which kind of changes how the metal behaves. Um, it makes it easier to clean, gives it some kind of nonstick qualities, but it also supposedly prevents leaching of aluminum into the food. Into the food. Yeah. So the cool part about aluminum is it's pretty lightweight, um, and it's usually not very expensive. Um, what I found interesting is that as I was, like, looking – looking around for aluminum cookware like pots and pans and stuff a lot of this stuff seemed to like it was all coated right mm -hmm. like um so like some all clads have some aluminum but they're coated in stainless steel like it said that they gotcha. had aluminum in their core but they were coated in stainless steel our place we already talked about like their aluminum body and ceramic coated um, green pan also had some, but then what I discovered was that baking sheets can often be aluminum and they are often uncoated, which mm. in those instances, like I was, um, digging around on Cooks Illustrated and they were the ones that brought up the point that like, it's pretty common to find these baking sheets. And if they're uncoated, that's okay for baking. Just don't put, don't put an acid on them on there. Right. So like I often if I do like I, I bet you do this, too. Like if I do like a sheet pan dinner, mm -hmm. oh, I will yeah. take a lemon and cut it in half and put it face oh. down to roast the heck out of it and then squeeze it all roasted over my food when it's Never done. thought about that. Me neither. And so now I'm like, great. Now I got to go home and Google my pan. Well, we got to you got to get an anodized, I guess. 
baking sheet. Right. Now I got it. I mean, maybe I have them. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm going to, I'm going to go find out. Okay. A few other kind of just parting notes to wrap up. These tips are so good. So if you have tuned out for a hot, hot minute, Carolyn's final tips here are amazing. So wake back up and listen. Okay. So non-toxic, that is a term that is thrown around on cookware packaging all the time time it's it's everywhere and i feel like particularly on like your lower priced ones there is no legal definition for what non-toxic means it's kind of like the word natural with food yeah it's just a bunch of greenwashing anybody can use it on packaging and the non-toxic they like to use non-toxic on pack cookware packaging because it makes it appear greener yeah and it makes you think naturally that it doesn't have these pfas in them right Right. I found a good piece of advice from an expert that was interviewed in an article. um, And he suggests going for the cookware that has the fewest gimmicks. Mm. So gimmicks meaning nonstick, easy to clean, scratch resistant, like all those kind of things. He said the more technologies a cookware advertises, you can pretty much assume there are some kind of chemical compounds in there. It kind of makes sense. Like, on your cast iron, on your stainless, you don't see all those. No. You probably see, like, passed down to your grandkids. Yeah. Like, that's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I feel... I feel much more knowledgeable about this area. It really was a big area of confusion for me. I hope our listeners do. I I mean, I feel like I learned so much. I was... Very excited that you really dug into this research. I was also super excited that we got to like name brands and talk about our favorites. Um, and the, honestly, the non-toxic thing and going for one, going for a pan with the or a product, or whatever cookware with the fewest gimmicks. Like I just feel like it's so smart. It's those are that's great advice. Yeah, really, really great. I advice. really loved that. Now at the end of all of this. I would really like if our listeners would write in and let us know if saying PFAS, how right or wrong that is. It just flows a little better than PFAS. I mean, yeah, you don't want to say that. I totally agree. Yeah. But I'm PFAS. sure somebody's going to be like, you ding-dongs. You but don't anyway. think they call them that? They don't, that's not their nickname at the EPA? Well, that's <laughs> Or maybe we're, maybe we're going to just influence them. Maybe we could do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, well let us know fantastic. what questions. Yeah, I love this. This is, I learned a lot. Huge thank you to Carolyn for spearheading this fantastic, useful episode. Thank you. All right, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. 
If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.